Welcome to the Human Advancement Podcast. Today I'm talking to Paige Stoner, a runner originally from Schuylkill County who now runs professionally for the Reebok Boston Track Club. This podcast will cover all things running, and I think we do a pretty good job of covering Paige's running career from high school up until now. I was particularly interested in the carbon-plated footwear that is such a new force in the running world. This actually reminds me of the tech suit era of swimming that we saw ending around 2009. Additionally, we cover some of the gear Paige uses, some of her goals for upcoming races, how she uses sauna training, her usual training splits, how she managed to go the distance of her career with only one stress fracture in college and more. Paige is extraordinarily agreeable, but I'd hate to be racing her, just knowing what she did in high school and what she continues to do in the running world. To learn more about Paige, she shares her socials at the end of this podcast, and I recommend following her because I think we're going to see some stellar performances from her for some time to come. So here is my conversation with Paige Stoner. Hey, this is John Matalavich from the Human Advancement Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a former school county athlete, Paige Stoner. She's currently a runner with the Boston, with the Reebok Boston Track Club. Um, we went through high school together about the same time. I was in swimming, you were in, you were in track. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you, Paige, about kind of right off the bat was, you know, you had, even in high school, it was no secret that you were a, a, an extraordinary runner, even as a freshman. Now it's years later. I mean, I, I don't know how much longer we're looking after your career later, maybe 10 years, but how have you managed to have maintain such a prolific career in running when running is pretty injury prone, especially as their career drags on? So what have you been doing to kind of mitigate some of those risk factors? Yeah, I have been really fortunate in terms of, uh, how I've stayed healthy throughout my career. I've really only had one significant injury. I had a stress fracture in my sophomore year of college. But other than that, I haven't really had to take any significant amounts of time off, which I think in this sport is really one of the biggest keys to success is just being able to build year after year, um, progressing without having to take any, you know, those long-term breaks that can happen from injuries. Um, but I think in high school, um, it was really just, we, Coach McGinley kept it really fun, and I never did a ton of mileage. Um, I think compared to some of my competitors in high school, I was, you know, just probably pretty undertrained. And then going into college, I had a lot of room to improve. So once, um, you know, by the time I was a junior in college, I was doing a little more than probably double of what I was doing in high school. And, um, but yeah, it was like just keeping a slow progression. And, um, and even my college coach was kind of same thing. He's like, I want you, I know you can continue running at the next level and I want to just leave you room to grow there. So he kind of had that progression in mind. And, um, yeah. And then I think some like little things like, uh, after the end of a big season and, your peak race is really taking that downtime seriously, taking two weeks completely off and just then 
easing back into training has been something that's helped keep me healthy. You can't just, you know, go, go hard year round. Um, yeah. And I would say, uh, diet I'm sure has been a factor as well. Just making sure I think one of the biggest things for distance runners is eating enough. I think a lot of people see stress fractures and things from under fueling. Um, so that's important as well. Is there any, do you have any go-to foods to kind of pack in the calories or, and specifically, do you have any foods that you go to while you're running on some of your longer runs? Um, I am a huge pancake fan. So after our, <laughs> our big long run days, I'll have a fat stack of pancakes and just like, uh, I love like peanut butter and almond butter. So I'll kind of smother them in nut butter and add some maple syrup or honey. That's kind of one of my favorite favorite ways to reload after those longer days. Um, I'm not quite at the point yet where my long runs are long enough that I have to get into the fueling on the run, but that's just around the corner because I am starting to do some marathon training. What, so what, yeah, what distances do you run now? What distances did you run in high school and, and in college for that matter? Yeah, so high school I was the 1600 and 3200 meters, primarily 800 and like four by fours every once in a while, but Definitely mostly, mostly the longer distances. And then same thing in college. Um, I was mostly 5K and 10K. And I also did the 3,000 meter steeplechase. Um, so, yeah, I like to mix it up in college, keep it fun. And so I wasn't just, you know, targeting the same event uh, every meet. Um, and then now I've only, you know, I've not even been running professionally a, a full year yet. So, and I haven't gotten to have a track season, you know, with everything being canceled this year. So, oh, yeah. but I would have been targeting the same events that I did in college this spring. Um, but now with everything being canceled, um, I, I had had aspirations of doing the marathon. I thought I would wait a few more years to give it a try, but this fall, that may be kind of the only thing that's going on. Um, so that's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking right now with my coach and I have talked about just doing some longer training and giving the marathon a try that way I'll, I'll know going forward if it's something I want to pursue in the future. Now with, with your races that you're doing now, they seem to be pretty intermediate in distance. What, what does a training day look like for you for these and how many miles do you think you're putting in? Yeah. So I typically run about 80 miles a week when I'm in a hard training block what we do is we'll have two really hard sessions each week. So they're usually on Tuesday and Friday. Um, usually one day we'll be at the track and then another day we'll just be out on. We have a lot of really challenging dirt roads here that we'll meet at um, to do some longer workouts. And then our longest day of the week is on Saturday. And typically on a Saturday, I'll be putting in anywhere from like 15 to 17 miles. Um, and then three or four days a week I'll have. So in the, I'll run every day in the morning, usually eight or nine miles. Um, and then three or four days a week in the afternoon, I'll also have like a four or five mile run. No. Oh. And I, you mentioned that you're doing dirt road runs. Is that uh, for ankle health or, or what kind of reasons do you have for the dirt road runs? Or yeah, I think um, anytime distance runners can keep majority of their training on softer surfaces. Um, they're, a correlation with less uh less bone injuries um so getting on grass or like i said the dirt roads are um they try to get us out there as much as possible to stay off the pavement 
I'm so I'm so happy to hear you say that. It, it's pretty nice. I know that that seems to be one of the things that does take a lot of runners out of uh, out of it pretty pretty quickly. Uh, interestingly enough, this distance running thing is something I, I'm almost starting to get into. I did a 28 mile run forever ago. It was I it wasn't a good time or anything, but it was also completely unprompted and up until the night before I didn't know I was doing it. Mm-hmm. There were 28 miles in like in almost nine hours, which is not not good. But now at the end of the summer, I'm I'm looking at doing uh, like a speed ascent of Kings Peak in Utah. So it's like 24 miles and probably 3,000 feet in elevation gain. And I'm I'm just kind of working myself into into getting back into that you know, that distance shape, which is something I I haven't necessarily done in in a while. Um, it's and it's never been a way I've trained, but it is it is interesting. And I like the metrics of some of these longer distance runs. It's it's pretty simple math to do, I think, compared to when with some of the shorter distances, you're also kind of programming for intensity and, and heart rate and some other things. Whereas yeah. I, I, I like with the longer distance, you, the variables kind of simplify themselves out a little bit. Yeah, that's true. So with the longer distance runs, are there any specific marathons that you are, are like a goal of yours? Or do you have any do you have any runs that would be kind of lifetime goals or things that you've, you've thought about for a while? Yeah, um, this fall, I'm probably either going to do Chicago or New York. Um, hopefully, you know, it's still all up in the air. Uh, Boston is typically run in April, and that got postponed until September. And I was originally thinking I might um, try to do Boston, but my agent seems to think that one's the least likely to happen. Um, so as of now, the thought is Chicago, which is October 11th, I believe, and or New York, which is early November. but those three are probably considered the biggest three marathons in the country and um like a long long-term goal of mine is to to be a, a podium finish at one of the major marathons that's awesome that is awesome have you have you ever been um i know you're you know you, you come from a background with these shorter and intermediate distances but have you had any exposure to any of the ultra marathon running Uh, I have not. I love following along those people who are into that and it's something that I could see myself giving a try in the future because I do, I love getting out on the trails and uh, just, I don't know, anything that's a new kind of challenge like that really excites me and I, you know, one of the reasons I'm pursuing the marathon is because it just seems the longer I go, the better I do. So um, I could see myself giving ultras a try someday down the road. It's it's interesting just as someone who views a lot of this from a scientific perspective that I think the longer the race goes, the less it becomes about your your physiology and more just about your your kind of your mental capacity to endure and your your capacity to manage pain. Um, yeah. I I have a, some personal interest in I'm not sure if you've heard of the Moab two four or the Moab two hundred. Yes, I have. <laughs> uh, I think I think one of these years I might waste the twelve hundred bucks on on doing that, but we shall see. I don't. I I could barely manage being tired for a few minutes. I don't know if I can handle six days. <laughs> we shall that see. Yeah, really cool one to. I think that would be worth, like you said, spending the money on that. It's it's an experience that you'd never forget. I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I agree. I think the the longer you get, once you get into those hundred, two hundred mile distances, it's they don't even necessarily see that much of a difference between male and female performance at that point. 
Yeah, and that, that Moab had uh, a female winner, I believe, and she like knocked everyone else out of the park by, by 12 or 16 hours or something like eight hours. Yeah. Is that Courtney Dewater? Dewa, oh, yeah. Yeah, I follow her. She seems really cool. <laughs> yeah, that, that's from pretty remarkable. So with your training, have you, do you do much strength training to kind of manage like a lot of the, the bone density issues and those kind of things? Yeah, I do. Um, I'll lift twice a week on those hard days, like I said. So after our Tuesday and Friday workouts, I'll get in the gym. And yeah, I should have mentioned that before. And I think that's for sure something that's kept me healthy um, more than anything. I think, you know, it contributes to improving speed and strength and all that as well. But I think, you know, one of the main reasons I get in there is to, to stay healthy. And what about uh, conditioning? Obviously, so it sounds like a bad question because obviously you're getting a lot on the pavement, but do you use any other con conditioning modalities outside of, uh, outside of running, like a uh, rower or anything? Yeah, not typically. Um, every once in a while, if I'm feeling like if there's just one afternoon where I'm really tired and um, want to mix it up, maybe I'll hop in the pool instead of going on one of my afternoon runs. Um, yeah, when the times that I have, like I said, when I had the stress fracture, then, you know, obviously I had to find other ways to stay in shape. So did a ton of cycling and swimming then. And I really enjoy getting in the pool in the summer, especially. Uh, I like outdoor swimming a lot more than when you're in the, the indoor facility. But um, yeah, I think when I do do it, it does just feel really good to use different muscles and kind of loosen up. Now, Outside of strength training, and you had mentioned how how much of a factor your uh, how much of a factor your nutrition is. Do you ever do you have any other race day strategies that you're using to kind of maximize your performance? Be it even like day of nutritional strategies or or certain rituals or anything that you engage in. Um, day of, I love how I have to eat the day of, especially an evening race. It's just like a lot of carbs you have to keep it really simple, but it's a lot of my favorite foods. Like again, I'll eat um, usually a big pancake breakfast in the morning. Um, this is if we're racing, we'll do a lot of races that will go off at like eight or 9 PM. Um, so you kind of have to have your bigger meal of the day early, early on. So yeah, maybe around 10 o'clock, we'll kind of have like a big brunch and then, um, yeah, the afternoon I'll probably have like oatmeal and some yogurt. Um, and then uh, three to four hours out, I always have um, some kind of just like peanut butter sandwich, usually like peanut butter English muffin and a banana. But it's all just on race day. It's really simple, you know, easy to digest carbs, nothing that's going to upset the stomach. Still want to have some protein in there, but nothing high in fat um, and not a ton of fiber. So really, you know, avoiding like vegetables or yeah, anything that's going to give you some stomach issues. Have you, so obviously it wouldn't necessarily work on, on your training days, but, or your, your competitions for that matter. But do you, have you ever tried um, implementing short-term low carb days or, or anything like that? I haven't done very much experimenting with that. I have read a lot of interesting, you know, there's so many different takes on some people swear mm -hmm that it works great. And then I've heard a lot of other people say like, no, like the low carb kind of the keto stuff is not work for distance runners. And mm -hmm. so there are definitely lots of different opinions on that are out there on that. But 
personally, I think I do really well off of the higher carb diet. And I know a lot of um, the best distance runners in the world are out of Ethiopia and Kenya. And um, uh, some of the stuff I've read on their diet is like, they're like 60 to 70% carbs usually. So yeah, no, I, I, I'm not, uh, not nothing against carbs, not in that capacity. It's, it's remarkable how, how efficiently the body can kind of burn through some of that stuff when, uh, when you are engaged in, in such a high level of physical activity. I know, uh, for, for me, when I did, I was completely sugar free. I was completely, I was not sugar free, God, no, but completely soda free for, uh, since like 2014. And then in the fall, so fall of 2019, I did a, I did that cross country bike ride and it was the first time I had soda, but I, since then, but I was, I, I had to rely on it almost just as an, an additional source of cheap calories. So whenever I'd go to a restaurant or whatever, it was the only way I was able to get, you know, 900 extra calories in just by having them constantly refuel my, my Coke glass. And it, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome being able to, to drink and eat like that and then still be able to just have some of the highest quality sleep in my life. Yeah. <laughs> that distance stuff it's it's the distance training and the distance running isn't necessarily for me but i, I think it's it's a fun thing to kind of get into every now and again mm-hmm. um could you could you go into your your stress fracture what what had led up to that yeah so i initially went to um lipscomb university in nashville tennessee and then um halfway through my sophomore year i transferred to syracuse but while I was at Lipscomb, um, I loved it. I loved the school and I loved my teammates there. But unfortunately, the coach um, just wasn't the greatest guy and had us doing some really, really intense training, just very little recovery built into the program. And um, I would say um, a team that had about 30 to 35 women, it, like half the women were injured at any given time. Um, so I think you know, amazingly, I made it as far as three semesters without getting injured. I'm surprised it, it didn't happen sooner. But really, I think, yeah, it was just a culmination of this really intense training, especially coming, like I said, from a high school program where I was kind of undertrained, and then I was thrown into some really crazy mileage. Um, it, yeah, I think it just took its toll eventually. And so I ended up with a stress fracture in my cuboid and a partially torn perineal tendon. Um, I don't know which happened first. Honestly, I, like I had never had any, like I said, major injuries before that. So I had pain that started on the outside of my foot. And I don't know if I maybe tore the tendon first and then was compensating and the stress fracture occurred or exactly how it happened. But I ended up taking about two months off um, from running and just, like I said, was in the pool and on the bike during that time. Um, and then uh, that would have been like, end of fall of 2015 and then January of 2016 is when I um, made the decision to go to Syracuse ultimately because I felt I just wasn't going to reach my potential as a runner at Lipscomb and um, Syracuse. I I knew some of the women on the team there from just other fellow Pennsylvania runners who ended up there and were really excelling and yeah it, it was a great program and really liked what the coaches had to say so end up there. One of the other differences you'll you'll just naturally see going from Tennessee to New York as well is just the, with the change in latitude, the the temperature at which you're doing your training outside is going to be different. Is that a consideration? And and how do you how do you account for that when you're training? Yeah, that was really different. Um, when I was 
graduating from high school, when I was looking at different universities, I really wanted to go south because I had never liked the cold. And um, but Nashville was definitely a new kind of hot. Those uh, August September workouts were brutal, and we worked out at three in the afternoon. And uh, yeah, just so many you know ninety degree days and crazy humidity. So it took a while to adjust to that, but. Um, yeah, it's just interesting because then, you know, you have the opposite at Syracuse and I, I got used to the, the cold and snow and all that. Um, and then when you go to race, you're just, you know, when I was at Lipscomb, anytime we raced in hot and humid conditions, I was ready for it versus Syracuse. Uh, I noticed towards the end of my career there, anytime we were racing in hotter weather, I really struggled because I just, I wasn't used to it at all. Um, I'd gotten away from that. And Syracuse, you know, even in May, it's like rarely above 50, 60 degrees, probably most. So all of a sudden, you know, we were competing in Austin in June last year for nationals. And it was like, well, you know, really uh, just wasn't quite ready for that kind of heat. Um, I know now that when you're in colder climate and you're getting ready to race somewhere a lot warmer, um, you can do sauna training, um, and that's something I've kind of started to do here, too, as well, because there are actually, like, other benefits from using the sauna as well for endurance athletes, but um, not something I had access to in college and just something I recently learned about. Besides, so the sauna, I agree with the sauna completely. I wish I had more access to one around here, but do you use any other kind of recovery techniques like sauna so cryo or anything like that massage i've never used cryo i'd love to try it um i don't know if the university of virginia has that um but i do have massage once a week just kind of a, a flush out for an hour um everyone on our team has an hour a week and do you do any kind of cool downs after you run i mean do you have any preferred stretching routines or anything like that yeah, I do have a stretching routine that I've done for a while now. Um, nothing like, I don't know, it's just some basic stretches and some rope stretches. Um, but yeah, and I use the foam roller a good bit. I love the Normatec recovery boots. I have a pair of those. Those are awesome. So you are a Reebok-sponsored athlete, but could you talk a little bit about your your preferred choices in footwear and uh, like what what your preference is with the heel-to-toe drop, those kind of things? Yeah. Um, so in college at Syracuse, we were Nike-sponsored, and I ran in the Pegasus there. Um, and now that, like, yeah, obviously I'm – Reebok sponsored now so I've made the transition over to the Reebok shoes and I am running in the Reebok float rides now for the bulk of my training and I've actually found them to be um, very comparable to the Nike Pegasuses that I was in um, and I've really liked everything I've run in in Reebok and I know like you probably think oh she has to say that but truthfully I, I mean that and um, I was kind of surprised if I'm being honest because um, Reebok, they were um, in the distance running um, back in the like early 2000s and like I think late 90s is kind of when they launched their distance running um, products, but then they actually completely dropped it for a number of years. And um, I think 2016 or 2017 is when they just relaunched distance running um, technology. So 
I was just surprised that being so new to it, that the products they have out are very quality and um, they're still playing catch up on some things. I don't know if you've heard much about like the Nike vapor flies and these carbon plated shoes that have come out. Yeah. So one of the things that's really changing the game um, in distance running right now, especially um, in the road racing scene is carbon plated um, shoes and um, just the, the times and the records that are being broken due to this new technology is pretty crazy. Um, it's really comparable to like when swimming, um, they're like using the tech suits. suits. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of discussion around that, you know, should we continue down this road and with innovation or just ditch it completely because the Nike athletes were at such an advantage for a long time. Um, actually, my two teammates who just ran in the marathon, the Olympic marathon trials, were um, given permission from Reebok to wear the Nike Vaporflies because they would have been at such a disadvantage had they not been in those shoes. Wow. Do you know, are you familiar with the science behind them? Just what what's making them such a, a good shoe? Not really. I just know, uh, the, all I really know is that, I guess because it is that, like harder surface it's just kind of acts like a spring um and your legs don't fatigue nearly as quickly i think is especially in the marathon what the biggest advantage is wow so just like an extra ligament that's yeah. pretty remarkable yeah now that that is that's an interesting uh that's just an, an an interesting dilemma in sport when when technology becomes such a such a pervasive force i mean yeah when when the tech suits were such a big deal in swimming it those records have since come down by people that aren't in the tech suits but at the time it was it was crazy what they were doing i mean they're they're physically they're changing your mechanics to the extent of that you're not even under the water i mean the the, the vents in them they they force your position higher and you ride higher in the water it's, it, it's i mean it's remarkable that they what that industry can come up with these things and I've, I've yet to kind of come up with a uh, with a, a cohesive theory as to how I feel about that, whether it's it's good or whether it's bad. But do you have you trained much in any minimalist style footwear? No, I really haven't. Um, I do like a light. We often train a lighter pair of flats that are similar to spikes, just they don't have the actual spikes in them. But in terms of weight, they're like very lightweight like that. And I, I work out on those when we do track workouts. Um, but in terms of like some of those other trending, like the Vibrams and things that were out, I've never tried any of those things. I do do some barefoot running every once in a while. Um, days like today when I have just like to do some hard strides when I finish my run, I'll often take my shoes off and do them barefoot and then just jog around a little because I think um, it just feels good to use some of those muscles in your feet that probably aren't used when you're wearing the, the bulkier shoes. Do you do any treadmill training? Only in uh, like poor weather conditions. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But yeah. what about, so outside of even footwear, what other, um, what other, gear do you recommend for someone that's interested in in running be it like uh like a training pack like a uh, like a running backpack like a camelback type thing or or shorts or anything what what are some of your gear recommendations for people out there oh i don't know it's in terms of like yeah some of the packs you're talking about just because like i said i haven't gotten into the ultra stuff yet um 
I wouldn't know what to recommend there. Um, but I'm trying to think, it's such a minimalist sport that it's like. Yeah, um, it is. That is weird. It, outside of shoes, it's kind of hard to say. Um, like, what are things I I like to have? But um, I would say maybe some um, bands. I do a lot of strength work with. Um, I don't know what you call those bands. You know what I'm talking about? They're like different color. Yep, like TheraBand. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. I, I think doing different exercises with those goes a long way. Something yeah, those, we can have at home. Those are, are something that, that I've, I've been advocating for for a very long time. There's uh, EliteFTS.net or .com, whatever it is now, and Westside Barbell. They both have really good, their red band option is, is fantastic. You can get two bands for like 14 or 15 bucks and Honestly, just because I, I've had so much access to gyms over the past few years, I haven't had much fitness equipment. So when, when all this quarantine stuff started, that's basically what my workouts were kind of reduced to was just some of that, that band training. But it is yeah. remarkable what you can do with, with those things. And I've been recommending those for a very long time. So what do you think the, the future of running kind of holds in store? I know one of the things that that seems to be growing is is the challenging the challenge runs like the tough mudder those kind of things where do you where do you see the sport going over the next couple of years yeah those have definitely been growing um some of the different like obstacle course racing stuff and then yeah like all kinds of ultra i think the ultra running community is growing a lot but honestly within like the track and field world and the marathon kind of stuff that's always a conversation that's being had is just how can we grow the sport because it isn't a super popular, you know, you're not going to see it on TV often or, you know, a lot of people don't know too much about distance running. Um, and I think, uh, honestly, the, like one of the biggest ways is just sharing our stories and, um, people like to know more, you know, stuff like this, just about the athletes lives and, um, give them a reason to want to follow you and follow along with the sport. So I think there are different groups that are doing a really great job of whether it's using like vlogs um, or just, you know, getting creative on social media, I think is a great way um, to engage people in the sport. And so I think people are coming up with new ideas all the time. And it's something that Reebok's been talking to our team about is, you know, how can we, just create brand awareness for them, but also how can we uh, attract more people to, to the sport? It is tough because on, on one hand, one of the awesome things about running is the barrier to entry is so incredibly low. I mean, like you said, there is next to no equipment requirements. You just need yeah. shoes, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And that's, that's about it. But on the other hand, it's hard to, it's hard to monetize something like that. What was the last uh, time you competed? So I uh, actually was probably in the last road race that was held, honestly. Um, I'm really glad I decided to do that race, but it was the USA 15K Road Championship, and it was in Jacksonville, Florida. It's called the Gate River Run. Yes, right. it was the 15K Championship. So I was just saying it's the, the longest race I've ever competed in. It was a little over nine miles. So that's still not, not much compared to a marathon that I'm hoping to do, but... From the general, the problem with running is from the general public, people only see things in terms of distance. So they don't necessarily understand the intensity required for the shorter distance things. I mean, right. I, I, you know, I was a sprinter, so I, I, I'm completely on board with the whole shorter is fun thing. But yeah. I, 
I think it's it's a tough thing for people to recognize that you know for for someone to win gold in uh, in an 800 meter is just as hard for someone to win gold in a marathon i mean right if one was easier more people would would switch over to the other but do you what what does so one of the things i'm interested in is is very short duration long rest sets do you do anything like that when you're doing your track work like you know 100 repeats with a very long rest interval I haven't in a long time. Um, there was a period of time in college where I was doing a little bit of that. Um, but for the most part, my coach now, who my coach now um, is Chris Fox, and he was actually the head coach at Syracuse until the end of 2018. Um, and then he left to start this Reebok group. But um, his philosophy is mostly uh, very short rest. <laughs> so opposite um we will do some sprint stuff at the end of workouts where we'll do like 200s with a little bit of longer rest um but he keeps rest very short for the most part when we're doing intervals when do you do you ever do any kind of hill sprints or any kind of hill climbing work haven't done hill sprints in a long time but our coach is a huge believer that hills are extremely important and they're a very regular part of our training so like I mentioned the dirt roads that we'll go out to those are very hilly um, and then a lot of our long runs are, are extremely hilly as well one of our key workouts in Syracuse um, was going to this road called Sweet Road and um, it just went up gradually in some parts a little you know steep but for the most part it was a gradual climb but it, it went uphill for six miles and we would just go out there and grind um and after doing something like that it makes the track feel when you are doing these longer these any kind of road running what kind of metrics are you using are you trying to maintain a certain pace how how are you doing that are you using technology following some kind of app like smartwatch anything like that yeah i have a gps watch it's on right now um i have a it's called koros the brand um I think that Garmin is probably the most common watch you see distance runners using. Um, but I recently got this Koros one and I love it. Um, and yeah, I'll use this when we're out there. We're often doing, when we're on the dirt roads, we'll be doing, um, it's called like tempo pace, which is um, uh, not quite, you know, as fast as race pace, but challenging enough that you can't really hold it for much longer than like 30 minutes. Um, so yeah, it's great to have that to measure, yeah, kind of where you're at. It's easy to go off of effort, but it's also good to have the watch to have an idea of what you're doing and, you know, compare as you, you do it week after week. Do you monitor heart rate variability or heart rate? A little bit. Um, yeah, that's also been a benefit of starting to use a GPS watch is this one does have a heart rate feature on it. So it is interesting to see especially for recovery too um even just like checking my heart rate in the morning not necessarily going off the watch but um i have got an idea of where my heart rate should be when i wake up in the morning and if it's super high then i know if i need to just need a complete day of rest or just to take it really easy yeah i i did something like the, in college actually i had a uh, i had a game on my phone and I would actually use this game. It was, I think it was called Jetpack Joyride. I would use this game. I would determine the distance I could make it on the game was like um, indicative of like my central nervous system fatigue. So I was actually able to just auto-regulate my workouts based off of just 
this video game, this <laughs> game on my phone. But yeah, that, that sounds a little bit more accurate over, uh, over time, better, better data set. So you were a high school runner and you've made it this far, you're a professional runner. You know, not too many kids that are in high school uh, make it to the professional level. So what has the journey been like for you? And you, do, you do you feel like you've made it? Like what, what does it feel like to know that you're a professional runner? You're in, I mean, you're in the top 1% of runners, if not an even smaller you know, percentage than that, 001? Yeah, um, honestly, in high school, it was a dream of mine. Um, I would say probably my sophomore years when I started really thinking about it and just kind of, I didn't, I don't think I really knew professional running existed much before that. But once I found out about it, I was like, man, like, you know, this is what I love. And this is my passion. If I could do that for a living, that would just be incredible. But I wouldn't say that I necessarily believed it was a possibility probably to like my junior year of college. Um, but I would just say like to any high school kid or college athlete out there, like don't put a limit on yourself because you really, you, you never know when you put in the work um, and believe in yourself what, what's possible because um, <clears throat> yeah, while I did have some success in high school, I didn't necessarily like, I wasn't winning national championships or I wasn't quite at the caliber <clears throat> of a lot of other high school runners or even, you know, early early in college um I wasn't at the level that I would be recruited to run professionally yeah just really trusted in the training that my coaches were having me do and they really believed in me um I would say keep dreaming don't limit yourself that's awesome yeah I, I think a lot of times especially around here people people are kind of down on the area and say you know not nothing good comes out of Schuylkill County but we have we have a remarkable percentage of, of high caliber athletes that have come out of the area and it I think you know, all these limitations, you know, people think at a young age that they can do these things and they just stop believing because they've been told by, by so many people that just have fell off the wagon at some point or another that they can't do these things. But the, these, the naysayers are the only reasons that are, that these people have these, these limitations in the first place. And, you know, like you said, just kind of ignore the haters, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so Paige, where can people uh, find out about more about you and more about your, your running team? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at pagedonor11. And you can follow our team. Um, I think it's just uh, Reebok Boston Track Club on Instagram as well. All right, Paige. Well, I look forward to seeing more uh, from you in the future. And I wish you nothing but the best of luck, regardless of, of what distance you're running. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. This is fun. That's a wrap on today's episode. You can find more about the Human Advancement Podcast and Ruthless Performance on ruthlessperformance.com. I specifically recommend that you head to our online education tab where you can learn more about self-improvement, the physiology of performance, practices for enhanced wellness, and more. You can view all podcast episodes directly on our website at podcast.ruthlessperformance.com. I also recommend that you follow us on both Instagram and Twitter with the handle at ruthlessperform. If you have any questions for our monthly Q&A or wanted to learn more about training with Ruthless Performance, including information on our athlete development training, injury prevention and corrective exercise protocols, personal training, or for consults or assessments, you can get in touch with us online at ruthlessperformance.com contact or via email at info at ruthlessperformance.com. The human advancement theme was written by Bernie Wallace-Savage.